Uh, another sleepless, <laughs> sleepless night question instead of just buying stuff on Amazon. Uh, do you think if you have a DVD-only Netflix subscription that you can actually get DVDs of Netflix original series? Um, so I don't know because I think that the disc rights to some of those shows actually aren't even like Netflix doesn't even own the distribution rights to the discs, which I mean, wouldn't necessarily prevent them from including them on the service, but wouldn't make it the like, you know, automatic thing that you might otherwise assume. Yeah. I I don't know. I thought they got better at that. Cause I remember when house of cards and some of their early shows got uh, produced like, um, because they didn't want to spend too much, they did a lot of cost sharing stuff with like 20th Century Fox and a few others. But I thought with most of the new programming, they they kind of got that licensing rights kind of sewn up a little bit better. Yes, yeah. sorry, that. sorry, I got distracted. They, um, a self driving car literally just drove by my apartment here. And how do you very, know? Well, because it has all the like oh the the, the, the whirly stuff thing. on top. Yeah, uh huh, uh-huh. yeah, huh. It's a very very San Francisco thing to happen. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um i guess i guess um house of cards is the um the example that i was thinking of so maybe yeah maybe if they've improved on that i i wouldn't know Got it. would have been much better if it was a stair car an autonomous stair car <laughs> hey maybe that could be like the the headlining uh thing of um uh arrest development season five so yeah so another little just sidebar here so the the lady friend and i finished um season four of arrested development Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so point number one it's, it's even worse the second time i watched it <laughs> i bet yeah which is oh gosh what a just a oh, what a travesty every single thing that involved um george senior was insufferable everything every single thing that happened to basically every character was insufferable but but we we identified the one funny moment from the entire um season there's only one laugh out loud moment in the entire season and it's there's a scene where um job is attempting to use siri for navigation mm-hmm. and she, she there's some back and forth and then but at one point she goes turn left gob and it's just i'll put the youtube clip in the in the notes but it's it's really funny i don't remember that at all but that does sound like it would be the highlight yeah so before we get into the uh the other main stuff what, what do you got uh, I've got uh, got no follow up, no follow out, no follow in, none of that again this week. There's there's too much main stuff to to dilly dally with with the rest. We got to get into the, the the main stuff. Okay, well I have one piece of follow up then. Oh, okay, the Harmony Hub. Oh, okay, yeah. We let's get into that. Yeah, it's still the worst, and I and I really would like you to make the case or explain what I'm doing wrong. Okay, yeah. So you. Send me a brief note, but I thought it would be easier to um to to do to do live, as you would say, to walk me through how you've set this up and see if we can troubleshoot it here. Uh, uh, personal on uh, concierge uh, geek squad support. Uh huh. Uh huh. Um, or sorry, black tie setup or whatever it's called. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it's called, right? Or is or is that's, it that's what it, that's what it was. That's what it was. Yeah. Uh-huh. So it's 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 the software is the worst, the device is the worst, and everything about it's the worst, and the Alexa in uh, the Echo integration about it is the worst. And I've really tried to make it work. It seems literally impossible to tell it to just turn on a thing. What am I doing wrong? Like turning on a single device? Yeah, I can't just say turn on the TV. 
because it seems like I have to either tell it a specific activity, which no matter how I set it up, seems to either turn on the TV and somehow put the TiVo in sleep mode. Like it seems to do like exactly the inverse of what you'd want at at all times. So when you say turn on the TV, it will it will trigger your watch TV activity, assuming that you have an activity that's called like watch TV or or something to that effect, which I assume mm-hmm. you do. I don't think it's optional. I like I don't think you can let it do anything without doing that. Okay, yeah. Um and it so it goes through that entire activity. So if as part of that activity you have the TiVo set to turn off, it will do that. Matt, I don't know why with your watch TV activity you don't just have the TiVo power settings disabled. You can do that? Oh yeah, you 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 have to do that with like Apple TV and the TiVo and some of the other devices that don't really have like a concept of on and off. You you got to you got to make it so that Harmony doesn't do that. How do you use, how do you use your Harmony remote? I never leave the same activity. Oh my god. Okay, like that's yeah, whole... we need, this is this is a more serious issue than I thought. Yeah, we got to we got to talk offline about that. Yeah, there there's when you <laughs> well, get, how else when you, you go through the well, so when you go through the Harmony well, because the, the TiVo just stays on all the time. Well, sure. But so so specifically, and this has been an issue with my Harmony, I don't know if I have the Harmony 1 or the Harmony Ultimate or what the hell it's called, but like, it's always been a problem where whenever, if I actually use the activities the way they're designed, it will always, it'll either turn off the, the like the sound bar or the speakers or the TiVo will go into this thing where it stops recording shows. Like it's always trying to turn stuff off that it has no business turning off. And I, and I d- can't figure out how to make it like I know I can remove certain devices from being part of an activity, but then I can't control them. No, yeah, that's mm-mm. so you you when so it, within the Harmony setup, there's the ability to edit activities, but then there's also the ability to edit devices. And so you go into the devices menu, you click on the specific device. So in this case, the TiVo, and within those settings, there's an option to say, "Hey, don't." ever turn this device on or off as part of activities and so when you when you select Mm. that that's not the exact phrasing they use but it's it's something to that effect so once you make that change then as part of all your activities the harmony um hub won't won't mess with the power on that device at all okay all right I, I, i had a similar issue with the apple tv where the apple tv was sleeping and the if I would do the like watch Apple TV activity, Harmony was sending a power power um, ping or signal whatever to the Apple TV and was then causing it to shut off because Harmony thought it was off to begin with. So I just went in just like with the TiVo and disabled those power settings and and now it's fine. Okay, I think you're gonna have to do me a favor and like screenshot that or explain where that is because that actually might make a huge difference. Yeah. And yeah. then, because the whole point, the whole reason I bought this is like just a, a, trying to find a way, a way where the Echo will control it, or a way where I can just get. And also, well, and this is an entirely different topic. Is it is still impossible with the Echo to chain like responses? Like, if I just walk into my apartment and close the door, can I say turn on the uh, turn on the the living room lights and turn on the TV no. like in one sentence, or do I literally have to wait for well, it to? Well, mm, well so. So the answer to your first question about chaining commands is no, you can't do that. But the specific use case that you just mentioned where you want um, the lady in a can to turn on your TV and your lights, 
one of the other nice things about the Harmony Hub is it can control your Philips Hue lights. So you can add your Philips Hue lights to a Harmony activity. So if you, you, you can set up an activity like, say, you know, evening TV or something. So then you can say, hey, lady in a can, turn on the evening TV and it will go through the TV, turn on and also, you know, set your lights to whatever setting you have them configured to. I kind of like that, but also don't want to have to remember a different weird command just because it's dark outside when yeah. I want to watch TV. Right. Like that's that's less than ideal. Yeah, and it's not not perfect, but kind of gets at doing more than one thing at a time. And then when I'm done watching TV, like let's say it's 1030 and I'm about to go to bed, do I literally have to, if I want to turn off the TV, do I have to say turn off the evening TV? No. I can just say turn off the TV. Correct. Even though it's a different activity? Right. Okay, I have until the 26th until I have to return it, so I'll, I'll give it another go. And then lastly, is it possible to tell it to change HDMI inputs, or do I have to do that through the app or the remote? I don't know. I've never tried. All HDMI port switching happens just through activities for me. So if I'm watching the TV currently, and I want to watch the Apple TV instead of TiVo, yeah. Wouldn't it then turn off the TV? No, because it knows that it's already turned on those other devices. So if you go, if you go, hey, lady in a can, turn on the Apple TV, all it will do is just switch your input to your Apple TV. We do that all the time. Hmm. And then if you want to go back to TV, you just say, hey, you know, lady in a can, turn on the TV, and it'll go back. Okay. I think you might be a paid Logitech spokesperson, but... No, I... um. <laughs> I was very, very skeptical of that integration when they first announced it. I'm pretty sure that we talked about it on the show that we're like, yeah, that sounds really cool, but there's zero chance that actually works. And I mean, I'm currently in the zero chance camp. (laughs) That that has been my current experience. I mean, I've had, I've had the hub since, you know, I got it as part of a Thanksgiving deal and, you know, it's, I can't say enough good things about it. I think of all the like you know smart home stuff we have here in the apartment the that's the that's my favorite thing okay like it's 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 cool but it's also like legitimately useful all right give it a try yeah um all right i guess we'll begrudgingly move into the the main stuff so we're going to start with the the disney stuff or the apple stuff Uh, up to you dealer's choice Let's start, let's start with the Apple stuff. That's that's the big that's the big headline, not only of this week but the last you know two weeks, which we'll which we'll want to cover since we didn't record last week. So this this HomePod firmware story, I think what I said to you in the in the Slack was this is sort of like the iPhone four story from back in the day. I mean, it doesn't have like the drama around there being a physical device that was taken and the whole Gizmodo response. Like it's missing some of the, the, um, I guess just more exciting type of elements, but in terms of information that's being discovered, I actually think there's a case to be made that that we've learned more from this than like almost any other thing that's come out before an event before quite possibly or at least more concrete technical details because it's a software based thing 
Yeah, I mean, it, it's so I guess quickly running down what we've learned and then maybe going back into some details. So we've seen an outline of the iPhone 8 or iPhone Pro, whatever the kind of top of the line phone is going to be called this year. We've seen a bunch of features around the phone, most notably the idea that there's going to be some type of face detection in place of Touch ID. We've seen references to a 4K Apple TV, i.e. hashtag Ryan was right. We've seen references to (laughs) an LTE Apple Watch. Basically like the three main devices that we're going to presumably see at an Apple event next month, all of which have been, you know, previously pretty heavily rumored, but now have basically been confirmed. Which is which is pretty crazy. It seems a little nuts. Um. Yes, I mean there are these people who will comb th- like, and, and that's that's like the the un- unsung hero or villains in the story, depending on who who you're talking to, are the people who will comb through and decrypt um, beta firmware releases. And apparently, like this is just so weird, specifically with the HomePod thing. Which is that's a device that nobody has, and also there's no real like developer integration yet because it's like when they announced it at WWDC, there was no like, hey, and and you should help make whatever the equivalent of like Alexa skills for this is. So this was just a complete screw up where, um, like a a, a beta firmware for a device that nobody has in their hands yet somehow got put in a semi public forum where um, a couple of um, intrepid developers went and combed through and found all these code names and found um, assets that basically detailed, yeah, everything about the iPhone Pro or the iPhone 8, um, a bunch of stuff that was supposed to be hidden from view. And actually, you can even see in the source code explicitly, it was said, like, this should be hidden. Um, like just a ton of stuff and yeah, it confirms a lot of stuff that we was already rumored. And I think that's one of the things that you, um, continue to point to, cause I think you think this, like you've been linking, uh, in Slack this, uh, like this, this leak and everything else that's happened recently and all the rumors, uh, with the whole doubling down on secrecy thing where you think that's kind of not, is not possible anymore. But yeah, I think this is going to be kind of a weird thing for Apple, but also a weird thing that they can't really say anything about. Like they just have to pretend like nothing happened come September. And sure, many people like us won't be surprised. But also I think this is the kind of stuff that doesn't break through to like the everyday audience. Yeah, I mean, the I guess one of the things that I, I think is most notable about the the firmware leak is... While it I, there's, it's definitely newsworthy that all of this now is coming directly from an Apple piece of software. None of none of this was a huge bombshell. Like it, it wasn't as if a, a new form factor for the iPhone hadn't been rumored at all, and then we see this outline of a completely different looking iPhone and the firmware for the first time. Like th- that exact form factor has been all over the internet for months, and like you know, likewise with the LTE Apple Watch and 4K Apple TV, those rumors haven't been around nearly as long, particularly the Apple Watch one. 
But German was all over both of those before the HomePod firmware leak. So there wasn't anything here that was like a a complete surprise. Well, no, uh, sure. But like specifically like with the LTE Apple Watch, like, no, like German's story was like, it's like four days old. Mm, But I think, wasn't it before that particular piece was discovered in the, the firmware leak? I think by like a day, though. Well, okay. So, you know. Regard, I mean, I, I'm not. I'm not suggesting that stuff is leaking out months and months ahead of time. I'm just saying that HomePod firmware leak or not, this stuff has gotten out, and so I, I can't think of a better example to date that just illustrates that while it's a noble and effort, and it's something that Apple probably has to do, it, there's just no way that they're ever going to be able to keep major product announcement secret you know i think what i told you offline is they're they're too big and there's just too much interest in what they do and the internet's just too damn resourceful for this stuff to ever stay secret and it's not tim cook's fault it's not anybody's fault in the company it's just it's just a well i think in this case it is it is it is one man's fault yeah big so here, here's here. Okay, a, a few things with this. So, sure, you are correct in skepticism is the wrong word, but like in, in saying that there have been lots and lots of rumors. But the problem is with this firmware um, leak, it's a. I think in like the AP US history term, like this is a primary source document that uh, confirms uh, a lot of the rumors. Which is what makes it problematic, or which which basically confirms all the rumors, which basically eliminates any. Like whenever you have leaked case designs and um, like uh, parts that leak out of the supply chain, like you have no idea. Like, was this uh, an alternate build? Is this one of the prototypes? Is this like is this the final product? And when you get something that is basically directly from the horse's mouth, whether or not they meant to actually say that on record or not. That's when the rumors become kind of, oh, well, Christmas is spoiled now. But also, I mean, like, even if it's not, um, like, accidental software releases, like, it, it stuff will flow out. And again, like, even, I think, like, a month ago, the outline did that big story where, like, the, somebody leaked the internal... Apple, like, this is what we're doing to to prove our commitment to secrecy. And, like, they're like, we do more checks per year than the TSA and stuff like that. Like, I mean, that stuff's going to get out because, like, we apparently are a nation of leakers. And, like, that, whether it's the federal government or if it's Apple, like, once something becomes, cert- like, very, very large and people apparently now start having strong opinions about, like, what is what, is what and how, like, they feel scorned or not – like that's a thing. Apparently, like just leaking in the age of the internet is is is, is a thing. Whether, yeah, yeah. I mean, and I mean that that concept's nothing new. But um, you know, with what we've seen this year, I mean, th- th- it was weird because there was like sort of this narrative that, that I had mostly been hearing from John Gruber around, like, oh, this like this is the year. It feels like Apple's finally been able to kind of keep things under wraps, and we we know <laughs> we know the the least um, that we've known and. You know, to be fair, this was before the HomePod leak. But but again, I'll go back to what I was saying earlier, where there wasn't anything in this HomePod from our leak that was a complete surprise that we hadn't heard about before. Like I was going back and looking at a couple of um, articles from German. You know, he confirmed the 4K Apple TV in February of this year. 
he didn't have the exact timing on it, but had said that it was going to be the next version of the Apple TV. Yeah, but but with that one specifically, and also not to marginalize or minimize hashtag Ryan was right. Like that's not an outlandish that like you're not going out on a limb with that, right? Um, like well, that's the next sure. logical step. Like they're not. There's no way in 2017 they're going to rev hardware and it's still going to be 1080p when even the $60 Chromecast does 4K. Like the I think you specifically are you can take credit or you can pat yourself on the back about the HDR thing. Cuz that and and the thought that Apple would kind of wait until they have a few more content deals in place. I think that's that's a pretty that is that is a pretty solid prediction or or um thing to have have thought would come next well thank you (laughs) um hashtag ryan was mostly right but also kind of time time and progress move on that's a long hashtag well uh, okay i mean sure i mean i I guess you could make the argument that all this stuff is obvious but i mean i don't know i I feel like that's sort of that's minimizing the work of people like german a little bit but well also but i mean that's that's what's kind of made this whole because like and that's one of the weird things about this is like that the Apple rumor ecosystem has shifted because he used to work for nine to five Mac and they used to be kind of like you could then post like, you know what, Apple has these new headphones that are going to come out and they look like this and it's a one paragraph article. But now it seems like now that he works for a more established um, media company, there has to be like this weird narrative across everything. And there's like all this embellishment where you can have like a 800 word article that has maybe 40 words of actual scoop in it. And who like who's the where does like the Ming Chi Kuo uh, KGI stuff usually come from? Like where where does he uh, not leak, but where where does where do his stories come from? I don't know. I mean, I I always hear about them and read about them through you know sites here in the U.S. that pick up on it, but I I don't know what the actual source material on all that is. I, and some of them, I think, it just reports that he puts out through KGI. God. Oh, so they're kind of like a, a Piper Jaffrey. Like, I think. <laughs> I think. Yeah, I think so. He's the the gene the gene monster of China. <laughs> I was going to say monster of the East, but I really appreciate that we thought of the exact same thing. <laughs> That's kind of sad, but also kind of kind of perfect. All right, monster of the East. Uh, yeah. Yep. Um. Right. Writing it down. Um. What was I talking about? Oh, but yeah, like no, because you you put in the thing about. It was like a Ming Chi Kuo report where basically we're expecting that because that, that just came out today where they're expecting quantities like launch quantities of like four million allegedly of the iPad Pro, or sorry iPhone Pro, and then that ramps up by the end of the year, and they're going to come. It's going to come in black, white, and some like weird copper color. Yeah, so I guess maybe so. This will be a good point, I think, to. I'll I'm gonna put the, I'll put my iPhone predictions out here. Feel pretty good about these. I think we're gonna see three phones. I think they're gonna be simply called the iPhone, the iPhone Plus, and the iPhone Pro. So we're gonna drop the numbers. They're all gonna have glass backs, which is gonna be the primary thing that was required to make this whole um, conductive charging thing or inductive rather charging thing happen. And then with the the top of the line phone, the the iPhone Pro, I guess this I'm calling it. Yeah, you'll have three colors. It'll be some kind of like 
what was it like a like a pinkish color and then like a what were the three colors they were like, like i thought it was black white and like copper or yeah that's right yeah 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 that's right so you'll have the three colors probably two storage sizes the iphone and iphone plus will be pretty easy to get the iphone pro is going to be the one that people like you and i are stupidly trying to get through maybe not i don't think so man uh well you always say that and then you end up buying it if it's fourteen hundred dollars no now you say that now we'll see but i think but anyway i think that's that's what um i think that's what we're gonna see and i and the you know the i think the iphone pro is gonna have basically everything that we that's been speculated on so you know edge edge to edge display with a little notch cut out at the top for the camera and um speakers you'll have face detection instead of touch id which you know maybe maybe we can pause now and just say like man how's that gonna work like the rumor is that it has some crazy fancy infrared camera and it's going to be able to work even in the pitch dark and that it's going to be able to work even when the phone is lying flat on a desk. Like, I, I even like I'm thinking now, so my, my iPhone's here on my desk on the left-hand side of me. So if I wanted to unlock my phone right now, if I wanted to lock my unlock an iPhone Pro right now, like what would I do? What I, is it going to be so good that I'm going to be able just to like look down at it and it's going to know that I want it to unlock? Like I, I there's just so there's so many questions about that that I, I I cannot wait to see how that's gonna work slash not work. So eh, a lot of things. Um, yeah, I don't even know where to begin with this. I think you're not wrong, but here's Apple's tried this before. Like I like so yes, I think there's a good chance that this new glass back more breakable um iphone 7s is probably gonna be called the new iphone or iphone 7 or, or some crap like that but like i just don't know where that fits in because like what what is apple's story that they're gonna tell with the iphone with like this new apparently now a, a 650 dollars phone counts as middle is as mid-range but apparently like apparently, so that gets called iphone and iphone plus and that's going to ship in high quality or high quantity volumes because they're just shipping the same phone again that might be marginally faster and has that new back cover thing. So that that that's fine and I'm not sure the name sticks. I think at some point in time they probably do go back to something that identifies cuz people need to be able to have an easy way to tell what's new. So like do you think people are just going to start calling it the 2017 iPhone? Like how do people tell the difference? Well, I mean We've been that we've been that way for a while now with iPads, and it's not really an issue. Not really, though, because we've we've had it used to be iPad Air, uh, iPad Air, iPad Air two, and then I, uh, iPad Mini four and uh, iPad Pro, and now because like they haven't had that problem because iPad Pro ten point five is very identifiably different than iPad Pro nine point seven, and nobody likes the big one, so that that solves itself. So, I don't know. Like, I think on the phone, something that they sell in volumes of between forty and eighty million a quarter. I don't. I, I don't. I just feel like they're going to have a problem when they try to just identify it as iPhone. Yeah, maybe. But 
I guess the flip side of that would be, so does that mean they're just going to keep the numbering convention forever and we're going to have the iPhone 18 10 years from now? I mean, we're we're going on iOS 11 and we're on uh, Mac OS 10, uh, 10 point, uh, 13 high whatever. Well, that's, oh, naming's hard, man. That's a little different, though, just because now with their whole, like, California naming convention and prior to that, the whole big cat naming convention, like, people didn't really refer to numbers with the Mac anyway. And then with iOS, I don't know. I just, I, I iOS is just not really even like necessarily a marketing thing like the iPhone is. I mean, sure, people think about like new features in iOS, but I'm not really sure that like iOS 10 versus iOS 11 is like something that a regular consumer thinks a lot about. So I don't think the naming is, is as important there. So I think they can get away with numbers in both of those contexts because those are just things that, you know, either or have different names or just the names aren't really that relevant. So I don't know. It, it, I mean, you're, I think you make a, I think you make a good point. I'm not, I'm not really disputing it, but I just would, I guess my counterpoint would just be like, well, they, it doesn't feel like they can keep up with numbers forever either. <sighs> Yeah, yeah, I just, I just think in the marketplace specifically, like they need a way to signify new, especially since they're in a spot where we aren't having leaps and bounds of innovation and difference between generations. So I think since they're somebody, they're a company that relies so heavily on upgrading either every single year or every two years, that that. I think just saying iPhone might be problematic, but I think that's probably not the most important part of this this upgrade cycle. Because then there's the new um, what 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 does Jason refer to it as? Like or 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 Gruber? Like what what is the iPhone Pro? Like is it is it a luxury phone? Is it an ultra premium phone? Like what what's what's how would you label it? It's like the iPhone that Apple wants to make across the board but can't yet make at the price and quantities that would be required of what you would normally consider like in air quotes the main iphone it's like apple's it's it's almost like next year's phone this year yeah i don't think you can fit that in a url (laughs) i'm not i'm not the marketing guru that schiller is (laughs) <laughs> I, I, oh man if he says we have the courage to make next year's phone today i'm gonna lose it <laughs> i think he's i think as he alluded to in the talk show um i think he's learned from that i don't think um <laughs> yeah uh because that, that is probably what they're gonna do but like i oh no i don't think though i don't think they're gonna get that meta i just i think no i think they might because like that that actually um Maybe I haven't listened to enough podcasts about this recently because I've tried to limit my Apple intake. But I think that's actually really smart what you just said, which is I'm not and I'm not sure if like you can tell me if you took it from somebody else, but next year's phone today is actually one of the most compelling cases anybody has made for we're making a, a stupidly expensive phone. No, I see, but that I think that's the exact wrong approach because that calls attention to the fact that the other two phones are coming out with are already obsolete. I mean, and well, that's, they, and that, well, they are, and no, 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 I, no, I, I know a hundred percent, but you don't, 
you don't want to specifically call that out. <laughs> I mean, I think Apple will, I think Apple will come up with another narrative around the iPhone Pro that doesn't diminish the other two phones. Because I, because we've we've discussed ad nauseum that that's going to be Apple's biggest challenge here is how do you come out with three new phones, one of which is clearly better than the other two, why? But then still convince people to buy the other two. Well, but what? But and that's my whole thing is what what case I I really want to know like other than saying next year's phone today, I can't I can't see it like I I don't see the presentation in my head yet of how they and in and, and, and I know this is probably me projecting but like and and cuz justify is a very charged word but how do they sell this stupidly expensive phone if they decide to do make that mistake I really I don't have any idea like unlike so you know some of these other products that we're now talking about for this year the LTE Apple Watch the 4K Apple TV I mean you could almost like map out the entire presentation for those two devices, like word for word, slide for slide. Like we know exactly what the stories around those are going to be. But with the iPhone Pro and even these two other iPhones, the iPhone 7S or whatever they end up being called, I have no idea. Just just no idea. It's It's going to be super interesting to see what they say. And then also, like, I think the other really interesting thing is, so then, like, next year comes around, then do we go back to there just being, what well, this year was the iPhone Pro, now does next year that just become the iPhone, and then there's the iPhone Pro Plus, which is, like, a bigger version of this new form factor? Like, I, I don't know, like, I don't know where we go forward. Because that's the thing, there's no way in hell that happens, because, like... It- this uh, this ultra premium starts at eleven ninety nine or twelve ninety nine phone. Like, there's no way. Even if they can, like, even like, let's say this is a phone with fifty percent margins. Like, there's no way they somehow say, "Oh, we're we're gonna we're gonna do our usual Tim Cook. We want to diversify our SKU spread," um, and say we're gonna somehow drop this down to a. 650 or 750 price point like there's no way this phone becomes half price in a year so is this just like a, a one year and done kind of phone like that's where i have so many issues with this 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 ultra premium phone thing because i don't see how it works because what are they going to do they're going to even further fragment the like you're going to let's let's pretend it's like well do you think it's called iphone pro or iphone 8 Let's let's clarify that real quick. I, I I put my cards on the table. I think I think it's iPhone, iPhone Plus, iPhone Pro. Okay, so do we think iPhone Pro is now this new? Like, do you think the iPhone line is completely forked and there's now iPhone Pro and then there's last year's iPhone Pro? Like that's too weird. But I also don't ever see Apple having a model that exists only for a year. Well, maybe maybe I made a mistake by jumping ahead a little bit by talking about next year. I mean, maybe, maybe let's come back to that. But I think refocusing back on this year, like I'm not really sure why you're so hung up on the iPhone Pro being some ultra luxury thing. Because look at the Mac. I mean, there's because a it's silly. Well, but there's there's a huge price difference between the base uh, MacBook Air 
and a top of the line MacBook Pro. So why why couldn't there, why can't there be the same thing with the iPhone? Because they sell four million Macs a quarter and they sell fifty million fifty million iPhones. Totally different. Yeah, how so? Because people, you're willing to have. Like with the iPhone, every iPhone's the same, and the only thing that differs is memory. So seeing that you can have an iMac where you're saying, oh, I'm going to pay an extra $200 if I want the SSD that's twice as big, but everything else stays the same, it's because like there's only one – like if there was only one Mac configuration and they all shipped with a, a dual-core i5 processor and the only thing you configured was the size of the SSD, like that would be different. But if you look at, let's say, the lowest-end 5K iMac – that comes with like an i5 versus a quad and in a fusion drive and an iMac that's super decked out and has a quad core i7 that's that turbo boosts to 4.2 gigahertz and it has a 5 512 gigabyte ssd and 24 gigs of ram like those like so much about it is different and computers are more they're just more complicated and, and like there's different types of purchases Whereas I thought that was a whole allure of iPhones is that it's kind of like game consoles in the sense that it's kind of like kind of a one size fits all thing, except for storage. So that's where I think this this price spread is problematic, and I think it does more harm to Apple than good. I don't think it puts them, I don't think it positions them as like the ultra innovator on the cutting edge. I think it it shows them as a company who couldn't figure out how to manage costs on a certain type of product. And brought something to market too early and alienated people who were already buying an expensive phone. Well, we will find out in probably about uh, about six, seven weeks here. Yeah. Sorry for the angry rant. No, that's that's what the people people like that. Yeah. I just I I miss the days where seven hundred fifty dollars was a lot to spend on a phone. Apparently that's just that's peanuts now. Apparently so. Um, let me see my, my notes. Let me see if there's anything else about the iPhones. Uh, iPhone SE likely to be revised in early 2018. Apparently, that's going to still be a thing. Um, yeah, I mean that seems like kind of like is that going to be an every two year type of device? Kind of, yeah. Kind of seems like every other year around the springtime, which is kind of like the off time in between main iPhone upgrades. Like that. That seems. That seems about right. Yeah. And then to round this out, um, I don't I, I just sent you the link again in case you don't have it open already. So have you you've played around with the iOS eleven beta a bit? I have. Uh-huh. I ended I don't think I've said this on the show. I did end up taking it off of my iPad because um TiVo and I, I don't blame them for this. They they don't allow the whole out of home streaming stuff to work on beta versions of iOS. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm just happy that TiVo's allowed to do all that stuff at all, so I'm not going to complain that it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't run on beta software. Um, but because that's, like, a key thing for me with the iPad, I, I went back to just iOS 10. Got it. But you haven't played with it on a phone at all yet? No. Uh-uh. So I have it on my work iPhone and it's really visually very weird and seems not good right now. Or it seems like in, insanely inconsistent. And this article, I, I, I gave it the double rotating light because I thought it was I thought it was pretty 
interesting in that it might explain why. So if you scroll down to kind of the first image where you see that thing where it shows browse and a question mark, uh-huh. like iOS 11 on current generation devices has like so much weird, like thick titles and so excessive blank space where you kind of are wondering like, just like what the hell's going on. But this kind of makes sense if you look at it in the perspective of the iPhone Pro. So basically, this, uh, who is this? Alan Pike is suggesting that when you have this new edge-to-edge display where there's no real home button and the screen goes right down to the bottom, that you might have this virtual home button and that a lot of the stuff that kind of just lives at the top might actually grow into this like function area that sits to the left or the right of the home button, which is really interesting, but also kind of confuses me as to what does that just mean? iOS 11 is going to look ugly and super awkward on everything, but the iPhone pro, but I don't know. I I just think this is super interesting. I, yeah, I, I do too. And I, I think there's potentially a lot of truth to this, but I guess the main counterpoint would be like look at the music app, which I think very much has signaled the, the visual style of iOS 11. So unless you're going to make the argument that Apple designed the Apple Music app a couple of years ago with this iPhone Pro in mind, to me it seems like this visual language is something that Apple likes regardless of you know kind of like the screen size yeah but like but here's the thing like i think that's okay for a music app like when when boz like went on stage and showed like you know we've put like super heavy font weights and we've made we've tried to like use typesetting to call attention to certain parts of the of of the content that we're trying to highlight on screen that kind of stuff but i think when you translate that to literally everything on the phone where the files app and settings and text messages like the phone app on iOS 11 is super weird and visually unappealing because it's just so insanely inconsistent. Like it kind of seems like there's no possible way anybody at Apple with design sense thinks this looks good where you just have to think there has to be some other explanation. I don't know, like yeah, because having it on my on my success plus, like it's 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 a big mess. So maybe at that point, I'm just grasping at straws for for an explanation as to why it would be that way. But no, like yeah, you're definitely right in that it's it's the music app kind of that aesthetic shoehorned or or adapted to the entire operating system. But yeah, like the the excessive white space thing makes me makes me concerned i don't know but yeah this this was this was super interesting and i and i like the visual um examples of how this might actually pan out yeah it's very it, cool and this highlights i think the one last big area of um kind of the unknown with the iphone pro is exactly what the extra screen's going to be used for there mm-hmm. there's been some rumors that have pointed to this concept of like a function bar at the bottom of the display. So like, you know, so technically the display is edge to edge, but in reality there's a segment at the bottom that 
almost is like a bezel, but it, it's there's a screen built into the bezel. I don't know if I'm describing that exactly right. No, but... it's kind of, it's kind of like like those weird LG phones. Yeah. So there, that's kind of one thought. And then at the top, basically what we know as the status bar today would kind of get shifted up next to the camera and the microphone and just kind of live up in those two little notches. But on the flip side, there's the possibility that it is just literally just kind of an edge-to-edge screen that that has a lot more flexibility than a set function bar at the bottom and, and a set status bar at the top. So I think that's, you know, that's kind of the one big thing that's left to to figure out yeah well actually and and so the, wrapping up with this but going back a little bit um since you're big on predictions this week can i ask what do you um do you think like going on the record do you think face detection is the do you think touch id has gone in the iphone pro yes you don't think it's on the back no but it's not on the back I mean the the phones the phones that we've been seeing leaked like especially this last week the ones with the glass back like that that's the phone. Well, no, no but no the, question. The, the glass back that's the iPhone Seven S. But well, the glass back's also on the iPhone Pro. Do you have a link? I haven't. Um, I haven't seen any like actual. I've only seen mockups and renderings. I haven't actually seen any like I haven't seen any leaks that include like actual hardware snuck out of a factory or something. Um, uh, I'll have to. Is it just the launch colors here? Uh, yeah, it's the the um, KGI article that um, had oh, the, the launch colors. So I, I'll I'll put that in the thing for oh, you. Oh no, I, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Um, you know what? Maybe the Touch ID sensor is embedded in the Apple logo. <laughs> um, no, so God, no, that no, is ugly. I know. Uh, so no, no. No rear touch ID on any of the iPhones. And then traditional touch ID as we know it on the iPhone and iPhone Plus, and then no touch ID on the iPhone Pro. Hmm. Okay. And it's going to be... like I, I think there was a point in time in the iPhone Pro's development a couple of years ago where there was this fork in the road between either working on the technology to make touch ID work embedded in the screen versus um, going this face detection route. And at some point Apple decided that they could pull off the face detection route and that that was ultimately going to be a better solution. And I think that's what we're going to get. So like these rumors that have been floating around for a while, which I've ranted about on the show about, you know, the location of Touch ID and whether or not Touch ID is even going to be on the phone at all. Like, I think that's, you know, at some point that was a conversation, but, but, you know, years ago, minimum of 18, 24 months ago. And that somehow for, for, for whatever reason, it, it just kind of now got out in the public that that was what was being debated. And I think we now know that uh, Face ID or whatever it ends up being called is what won out. I still hold that hope that it's not. I I'm just, you know, incredibly skeptical of how that's going to work and how that's going to be better than touch ID. So, so let me ask you, so you've already said that you're, you're going to buy this. 
Yes. Probably. I mean, because yes. I, I and I don't fault you because like it, it you you we we agree that like the phone is your like both like for both of us is our most used device by far. And the one thing that it's fair to like kind of splurge on is like is is getting the best of what is the thing you interact with most on a daily basis. Like totally agreed. But would you be willing to do that with a device that in certain ways is objectively worse like let's say face detection even if it does work pretty well even if it's sitting flat on a table like if you like i don't know like if if like i really enjoy just pulling my phone out of my pocket and as i'm taking it out my thumb has clicked the home button so when i when it's reached like eye level it is unlocked and good to go and if face detection is worse than that, or like it does not have like a, it has like a false positive rate that's unacceptable or, or what have you, like you don't, you would look past that just because the phone itself has a nicer display. Well, I'm not going to quite answer your question and instead <laughs> um, kind of copy what Jason Snell said either on this week's upgrade or last week's upgrade. I don't think Apple, so I, I talked a minute ago about them at some point in the past making that decision about whether to invest in putting Touch ID within the screen or go this face route. And clearly they've ultimately chosen the, the face ID route. I tend to believe, just like Jason pointed out, that Apple wouldn't do that unless they were highly confident that this was going to be even better than Touch ID. There, it, it's possible. It, it's possible that that's... How would it that, be... Like, uh, and I know this sounds like somebody who who thinks, oh, we... we, we uh, what's an example of technology that's mostly done? Ah, whatever. We, we, like, we, we have fast horses or whatever. Like, do, do, I can't think of any way to improve upon Touch ID. Like, it's so insanely fast and works exactly how you'd expect it to. Like I just don't see how the face thing is is better under most circumstances. Well, to be fair, I also kind of had a hard time imagining or believing Touch ID because up to that point, fingerprint scanners and really what I'm thinking about are fingerprint scanners on on Windows laptops were so incredibly bad that the idea that I was now going to rely on something like that to unlock my phone, which I do dozens if not hundreds of times during a day was going to be the answer so i don't know maybe this is the same thing where i have a hard time believing it now but when i actually see it in practice i'm going to look back and be like man they they really pulled it off i mean apple apple for all apple for all of its faults and sometimes it tends to maybe get out over its skis a little bit too far I think they <laughs> they at least have to have a solid understanding that the act of unlocking your phone is a critical, critical part of using an iPhone and that Touch ID has basically mastered that, has basically made it fast and effortless and, and just basically perfect, especially with like the second generation Touch ID sensor. So unless they're really sure that they've found out found out something that's even better somehow i don't think they would do it i really want to hope that you're right but also i had never heard that expression before 
I don't know. I, if, I don't know if I. I don't think I used it quite right. But no, I think you did. But also, I I googled it, and, and one of the first results was uh, Biden got out over his skis. Says Obama. <laughs> so, so you're in you're in good company with, yeah. that, with that idiom. Uh-huh. But um, I really want to think that's true, but I think it's one of those things where, like, I I I feel like face detection is gonna be like um, kind of like the Microsoft Connect. Well, well, do you know what I mean? Uh, well, do, do you see the parallel? Well, well, okay, I do, but I'll challenge you by saying that that fits really into nicely what I was just saying about fingerprint scanners and how Microsoft's solution, which came before Apple's, was complete garbage and didn't work. No. And then Apple came and actually made it work like you'd expect it to. Yeah, no, <laughs> I disagree. I I really don't think this is going to be good. But okay, I I I hope to be wrong, but I don't think I will be. Because the thing is, it's got to it's got to be so gosh darn fast for it to make up for the, just how quick Touch ID is, and also like I and I I hope Apple, the pioneer and 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 arbiter of of elegant software design, uh, sometimes most of the time, but not really, um is able to find a way of like, how do you use your phone when you just want to check the time and you don't want to unlock it? Yeah, I totally No, you, you t- totally you're you're there are a thousand use cases, including the one that I described earlier about how the phone's kind of like off to my side right now. Like there's there's a thousand use cases where I have absolutely no idea how face detection would work. And here's the thing in a lot of them, it's going to be the answer is that it doesn't. Man, I just hmm. it could be. Like, I, could, could like be, thing, but, I, I agree I, with mm. you that it's probably like in the in the sense that you have the phone on a table and you tap on the screen and you vaguely look at it. I totally agree. It's probably going to work well, and it's going to work better than most things you've ever experienced. But I think there's a lot of cases where it's just gonna it's gonna add this unnecessary complexity that they did only to make this weird funky edge-to-edge screen and they didn't want to put a sensor on the back of the phone which i think in a lot of ways is gonna be objectively worse but wasn't there there was an lg phone or some phone that demonstrated that the technology to have fingerprint scanners under the screen already exists so i don't think i don't think that was a gating thing like apple could have put a touch id sensor under the screen if that's really the way they wanted to go so that's that's even worse. You're saying they could have made a better product, but they're just choosing to be stubborn. Well, no, I, or I'm, I'm saying I'm saying that they they must really feel like they've pulled this off. And like, there's also, I mean, we, what we well, didn't they, talk they about. They, Steve Jobs said they cracked TV and look at the Apple TV still. Well, that that's come on, that's not fair at all. That's come that's incomplete information from a crappy biography. That's yeah, I don't. That's not fair. you don't you don't think Steve Jobs or what's his face um, Tim Cook. Uh, thinks he cracked TV when he did that whole presentation is like the future of TV is apps. And then actually turns out, oh, we're Apple and we don't like to play nice with anybody. So therefore, nobody wants to be part of our skinny bundle TV eh, service. And you're, single sign- you're going off the rails here. That's that's not at all the same thing. That's That's a subjective view on what you think TV should be. What we're talking about here is a feature which can be measured very objectively. <laughs> In the interest of moving along, maybe. <laughs> Uh, sorry, I'm. Uh, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be super interesting, and we we didn't even get into with like there's references in the HomePod firmware about the camera being able to even know like what type of facial expression you currently have, and 
Jason suggested a really awesome idea of being able to send emojis just by making different facial expressions. And man, that would be such a great Apple feature. But that also seems like kind of the worst. Because like I don't want to, I don't want to have to actually frown just to, <laughs> or like I don't want to send, I don't want to have to pretend to smile when I want to send a smiley emoji. That no, takes a lot of facial it'll, muscles. It'll it'll make you smile more. That'll be good for you. Ah uh, no, I, I like. <laughs> never mind. It's gonna change my default expression. Um, what was hold on? What was the last thing I was gonna say about this? Um, LTE Apple Watch. No. Um, ah damn it! I lost it. Okay. Oh, well. Um, yeah, I think that's it. Final, since you're, again, you're, since you're predicting, final guess on iPhone Pro, regular size screen, medium storage, if the very bottom one isn't 128. How much is a 128 iPhone Pro? Sorry. Um, 128 iPhone Pro, probably... I want to say twelve ninety nine, but that seems low. <laughs> well, just thinking that a top of the line iPhone seven plus today is like nine seventy, right? But that's for two hundred fifty six gigs. Yeah, but the the storage part's cheap though. There's no way. Uh, I've, uh, I I have a lot of feelings about the iPhone Pro, but I think there's no way they ship a thirty two or a sixty four gig iPhone Pro. I think that's just like, I think that's the ultimate middle finger to their customers. I think it starts at least at 128, potentially even starting at 256. So you're saying the cheapest iPhone Pro is 1300 bucks at at least, yeah. I <sighs> could see The fact could, that you're saying could at see least 13, could see 1399 being the intro price as well. And you don't think having just said those words that is uh blanking uh, scaramucci language it's insane no because if if 1399 is not a price that you're willing to pay for a phone there's going to be two other phones introduced that are going to be awesome phones that you can go out and buy <laughs> uh, I, I, apple deserves every bit of that oh man i get i, I just i just i, I don't know insane. i don't i don't really see it being any different than the fact that there's a $900 MacBook Air and a fully specced out, what, $3,000 15-inch MacBook Pro. I mean, why, why aren't you? I, I don't, I don't, I mean, I, I don't, I kind of get what you're saying about computers being different and how phones, especially the iPhone, you kind of want it being one size fits all. But I don't really see how you can be comfortable with a $2,000 difference between computer prices and get all upset about there being different price iPhones. Like, I think it's one thing to say that you, it's kind of potentially a dumb strategy on Apple's part. Like that, I think we kind of agree with each other on, but like, I'm not outraged by the fact that Apple wants to make a better, what they're considered pro version of the phone. They've been doing that with Macs. They've been doing that with iPads. That's just their strategy. Good, better, best. Again, maybe that's a mis- that, that, that's a mistake, maybe, but like being, it is an absolute but, but like, mistake. But but like your outrage over it doesn't make any sense to me. I think my outrage makes sense in the like I'm not personally outraged. I think it's a really silly strategy, and I think that the people who thought that 
Like, I think the people that are looking at maybe, like, last year's Samsung Galaxy, and they're like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to stretch because, you know, like, Apple's kind of like an a- aspirational brand, and I want this iPhone, and people seem to like them, so I'm going to stretch my budget to $650, and I'm going to buy the iPhone 7 because that's a premium product. I think those people are dealt a gigantic uh, FU by there being a $1,300 or $1,400 iPhone that all it has is 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 an edge-to-edge display that Samsung is already currently doing at $750. I, we got, we got to move on. Okay, let's move on. Ooh, this could be, be a lot, a lot of emotions on keynote day. <laughs> all right, man. We spent like an hour on that. All right, Disney, the Walt Disney Company, the House of Mouse is ending its Netflix partnership. Uh, and Netflix has way more Disney, first run Disney movies than I ever thought. Like, I, I didn't know they actually paid for that kind of stuff, but like, yeah, Moana and Zootopia and all that stuff's on there. Uh, they are ending their Netflix partnership yes, uh, next year because they are going to be starting their own streaming service. And to fuel those aspirations and that business plan, they have acquired an additional 42% of uh, BAM Tech, which, I th- which is, used to be MLB Advanced Media. Um, and yeah, kind of kind of big news. Yeah, and I would say inevitable news it's it, it, that i'm not so sure about i mean so i i think that disney content in particular not not everyone can can pull this off but disney in particular does have the content to justify having complete control over it and disney's always been i mean and i think this is this is probably for the best they are very very much into having complete control over their their content and their ip that that's what makes disney disney so i think the fact that they gave netflix all the content they have at all to begin with is is kind of the the more surprising thing and the fact that they're now taking it off is sort of like well yeah it's it's kind of amazing it was even there to begin with well so that i don't think is the most surprising part but like the fact that and and this goes back to, or this gets highlighted by like Jody Avergan, the the five thirty eight elections guy, and the thirty for thirty podcast guy, like saying that like, uh, with all these streaming services, like somebody should invent like, <laughs> should invent basically cable television, like I, so, how many streaming services you, personally, are you willing to pay for? Well, I, you know, I the, I mean, the, yeah, let's get into this part of the conversation. I mean, I think. What this news and a lot of the other developments we've seen with other content providers wanting to come up with their own streaming service has proven is what I've been saying for a long time on this topic, which is I actually kind of think the whole cable system we have now might end up being economically the best one. Like we, we, I don't, I don't think you're going to end up in a situation where if every content provider goes out and creates their own streaming service that you have to pay five or 10 bucks a month for, if not more, you're going to end up in a place where you're going to pay less per month for TV than you currently do today. That's exactly right. And I think with this fracturing of, of like the entertainment, like I I know everybody gets mad that like ESPN costs so much money and, and uh, I, I refer people back to that, bill simmons podcast episode where he had the two like legacy espn guys talk about this for a while like of like why content costs are the way they are but like cable is not a bad value and when you start thinking that oh 
based off like where the original content that I might want to watch is being produced. You now have to sign up for Netflix. You need to be an Amazon Prime subscriber. You, If you want to watch The Handmaiden's Tale, you have to sign up for Hulu. If you want to watch ESPN, you need to get this uh, new uh, Mickey Mouse TV package that's going to be eighteen ninety nine. And if you want to watch Game of Thrones, you have to pay uh, $15 for HBO Now. And you like how many streaming things, how many over-the-top services does it take for somebody to have a complete entertainment landscape? Like, and and on top of that, your cable provider is now going to charge you more for the internet to access all those services because you're not buying cable TV through them. Exactly, and, and Comcast still gets gets their due because like they they own DreamWorks and NBC and and Vivendi Universe, like all of this stuff, they still own it. So you're just not you're no longer getting the advantage of bundle pricing. Yeah, I mean the, this. Yeah, exactly. This is why the this clamoring for everything to be available streaming or the IPTV thing has just it's never made sense to me like similar to what I've kind of what we were just talking about with the iPhone and how you know I I pay quite a bit of money every year to have the best iPhone because it's something that I use every day and I feel like I get a ton of value out of I feel the same way about TV and internet I I pay a decent amount to Comcast every month but I'm not upset about that. I feel like you know, I think my cable bill is, a, is about $150, $160 a month, which is a lot of money. But, you know, just like I use the iPhone more than any device, I use my home internet connection and home TV service more than any other service I pay for each month. So it kind of makes sense to me that I pay a lot for it. I'm, I'm not really sure exactly why that's why people get so upset about that. Well, you might wish they compressed it less, but sure. I mean, yeah, there are things <laughs> there are things around the edges that could be better, but by and large, I have pretty good internet service and I have a pretty solid TV lineup, particularly when you kind of pair it with a, a TiVo, which is a little bit of a separate thing. But yeah, you know, I just I don't know. I, I the the outrage around people's cable bills each month. Mm -hmm. Well, I, actually, I should. Careful, carefully how I frame this, where if, if you know, subscribing for TV doesn't make sense for you, that's that's fine. Then and, and, you know, cancel your cable subscription, just have a Netflix subscription and, and that's that's fine. But the concept that you're going to be able to, you know, cut the cord, as the kids say, and then be able just to stream everything on the Internet and have that cost less than what you were paying before, that that, that just doesn't that doesn't make sense. It it absolutely doesn't. Um. Yeah, like it's just, and it's also gonna be way less convenient because you're just gonna have this weird Apple. Like you're gonna have the, uh, the hashtag Ryan was 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 right in due time. Uh, box that's a 4K Apple TV, and they're all gonna have these weird apps that work entirely differently, and you have to be like, oh, I want to watch this of uh, uh disney channel original movie and that's on this thing but then i want to watch house of cards so i have to go to netflix and then there's this thing on amazon like it's just it becomes an extremely disjointed entertainment experience but you, that's a good point i mean we haven't even we've just been talking about pricing so far but yeah the other big piece of this is that it's just it's yeah it's a worse disjointed experience like like and that's the thing like when i kind of want to shift gear, like let's say like on sunday I, I was watching a thing on netflix and then I wanted to watch last week tonight on HBO Now. Like, 
one, I have to switch apps, but also the apps work entirely differently. And it's just like, it's weird to have to like shift in your mind. Like I need to re-remember how an app works so I can watch a damn TV show. I don't know, man. Like it's this new fancy future that people keep wanting is, is in a lot of ways not that much better because the content providers are always going to get paid. Disney, whether it be theme parks or television or movies, they know how to get money. So uh, I just, mm, I don't know. I, th- I think the future we want is not always the future we, the future we deserve is exactly the future we, we thought we wanted. <laughs> um, you know, the other kind of big takeaway I wrote down about this is, boy, this sure validates Netflix's strategy around developing their own content. And how oh, yeah. how important it is for them to not be dependent upon other people's content, because really, it's easy to see a world where Netflix didn't per- pursue their own content strategy the way that they have, mm-hmm. and then this same news came out today, and Netflix, you know, basically would just be devastated. But well, no, that's that's the thing. Like where I I turn on Netflix, like and, and I'm and I'm watching one of the original programs. Like I've been watching uh, Bill Nye Saves the World whenever like I come home from work and I want something to watch. And like I will, as I'm scrolling through, I'll be like, "Oh, hey, that's weird." Like there are Cars three, like like some movie from Disney I didn't think would be on here is on here. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. But the main focus and generally what you see in that like spotlight section on Apple TV, like it's all just an insane a pile of Netflix original content. Where if if there's some movie that that's four months on DVD or Blu-ray from Disney. I don't care. Like my, my Netflix subscription is valuable because of all the original content and whatever they happen to license from other people. And because there's such an abundance of content, if it doesn't have Disney stuff or if it doesn't have DreamWorks stuff or it doesn't have some provider, I don't care. That $10 subscription from Netflix, even if it was $20, is insanely valuable to me. Exactly. And that's it's pretty pretty amazing that that Netflix I think kind of saw a situation like what's happened this week with Disney coming and they, they got way out ahead of it. How long until Netflix has sports? Like it, it doesn't have to, it doesn't have to stay there. They can go acquire the content they want that keeps them relevant. So if it turns out that Disney streaming service, isn't what they thought it would be. And then like Amazon or Facebook or Netflix or somebody else, wants to start bidding on the rights for live streaming NFL or NBA or MLB content like that. This can all change really quickly. Well, this was, this was a point that was brought up in that uh, Bill Simmons podcast Mm -hmm. that we mentioned a couple Mm -hmm. of weeks ago, where I think it's between now and 2023 or 2024. All four major sports here in the U S the rights for those sports are going to come, come due. And it's going to be the first time where, you have some of these other big players like Amazon, like Netflix, who are going to be able to legitimately make a run at these at these guys. And it's going to be super interesting to see what happens. Yep. You know what's good, though? What's that? Game of Thrones. <laughs> you do not watch Game of Thrones. I do not. And, and can I say how rewarding and stress-free it is? to not care about that at all from like a spoiler perspective all of it it's just it's so nice uh this this season's been 
Are you a so, Thrones? So head? good. I am. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Let me know what happens when it's all done. I'd like to summarize it in a paragraph. Well, if it's you can. it's much appreciated. They're they're doing the the Breaking Bad thing where they've taken this last season and chopped it up into two parts where normally it's a 10 episode season that comes out like basically once a year but what they've done here is they've taken a 13 episode season they're releasing seven episodes this year and then they're going to do six more in 2019 so wait is this the final season well this is the first half of the final season interesting so the show's not going to be over until well it, it, this hasn't been confirmed but there there was I think a pretty credible rumor floating around that the second half's not going to air until 2019. Got it. Well, I hope the Lannisters win. Is that oh, a thing? That is a thing, but you don't want that. I I do want that. Who's the who's the lady with the dragons? Uh she's not a Tur- she's not a uh, Lannister. She's, oh, she's she's a, she's a she's a Targaryen. Oh, who's who's the Starks? Uh, is that Iron Man? No, that the, that that's the Starks are also that's another family. So the Lannisters, the Targaryens, and the Starks are are three of the main families. Got it. Don't ask me any more character names because that's about all I know. Yeah, good times. Um, I didn't actually read the slowest internet in the world article or slowest internet in America article. Still, you should. So. Well, so let's let's table that no, no, for we'll table that for next week. Yeah, you you should. You should read it. It's it's really good. Okay. All right. Um, quick grab bag topic, and then then we'll move on because I know we're running long. Should I buy a PS4? What has been your history with buying with buying consoles for a single game? Not good. God. Then then can you play everything you want from your PS4 for a while and then lend it to me for a month? I sold my PS4. I, oh really? Wait, do you sell an Xbox? Yes. Well, I so I I bought an Xbox One, but then sold it. And now you bought a, you bought a One S or whatever it's called, right? As a Dude. as a 4K DVD machine, primarily or four 4K Blu-ray, whatever. <laughs> Sorry, I just remember when Xbox 360 had a, a standalone, separate HD DVD <laughs> drive you could buy. Um, oh man, yeah. Oh. Dude, but. Uh, I I hate video games, but Gran Turismo Sport racing games are the only thing I can get into, and that looks like the world's best game. I would, you know, I I would read some reviews around that though. I don't. It's not out yet. Well, go back and read the reviews on just maybe some of them, but the last couple of Gran Turismo games, I don't think they've been particularly well reviewed. If you want sport, if you want car games, that, I know Forza is pretty all right. Yeah, Forza's Forza's kind of I think the the leader are is the current are is the ps4 or the xbox one even the old versions of those are they down to 199 yet um because that's that's get, that's impulse yeah by territory. i think i i want to say that there was a xbox one s deal that was out there for 199 recently what's the retail on xbox one s what, Two, like 240 249 i think even the new one I think that so. doesn't sound right. I think so. If we do Xbox One S, Amazon, two fifty. Um, there's there's like a there's a billion different bundles that they do, but yeah, I'm pretty sure 
they do they have let's see they have like different sizes and but yeah i'm pretty sure if you get like a one terabyte xbox one s without any extra games or anything i think that's 249 and no i don't i don't need this because <laughs> i brought it up and it had a picture of minecraft on it so my, my I, i'm i'm now disinterested again well that, that's generally been one of the more affordable bundles so i'm looking at that and how does minecraft con- uh, convert into a console game i also thought it was a super keyboard and mouse heavy game yeah I don't, I don't know yeah it's for the young people um but you know i yeah, eh, i <laughs> video i video game consoles are hard to hard to recommend i as evidenced by my recent switch purchase i like buying them and using them periodically but i use them way way less than justifies the purchase video game consoles seem like buying a boat you know what i mean go on no it seems like such a good idea at a time but uh, at the time but it's just such a money pit like you're paying for a subscription to just play online games and get harassed by racist 13 year olds and like it's just it's just a waste of money in the long term yeah that's not a not a bad analogy you know uh, picks of the week. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Uh, can I go first? Because I have multiple picks of the week. Because I actually had a good one last week. No, you can't. Rats. <laughs> go, go for it. Um, actually, shit. Where is it? Uh, <laughs> so I got to find a picture of it. But I, I have to. My, my pick of the week mainly is uh the Amazon Echo Dot, but uh, an Amazon Echo Dot for the kitchen. Yeah. So let me. God damn it! Where's the picture of it? Um. Oh, I'll just pull it up online. Um. There's a, a. You need to pair the Echo Dot with a very specific item. Do you Do you have an Echo in the kitchen? I do. We have Echo Dot in the kitchen. So where do you have it? We have it. I mean, it's on the counter, kind of tucked away in the corner. So here's what you need to buy. This is like eighty percent of my recommendation. So basically, it's a thing where mm. it has a really short, like, no, this, this, like, because I was very resistant to having an Echo Dot in the kitchen, which to the point where I would just yell at the, <laughs> at the Alexa in the living room. So this one, it has, a, a, like, this, like, two-inch micro USB cable, and it's this thing that kind of just cradles the Echo Dot, like, w- with the AC plug. Like, I don't know if you can describe it better, like, visually, but it, it is super super functional and i was looking in my iphoto library and i can't find the picture i took of mine because i think it actually looks better in person than it does um on this page but it's really really functional and it and it's it's fantastic and having like the, the echo dot mounted like this it's insanely responsive in terms of like voice commands just because all the microphones are always pointed at you so this thing is like this is like the best 13 dollars you'll ever spend that's amazing yeah because we yeah, we totally have it we have it pretty well tucked away in the corner but but you have like this weird six foot USB yeah kind of, you have to just like find some ways to just like make it go away and this solves that problem so elegantly um so no i i love this so this you so to clarify this so you use the actual ac, the AC adapter it comes with well the, the adapter it doesn't come with it just comes with a cable right 
Well, yeah. So you use the AC adapter from block the, from the Echo Dot. Yeah. And then it comes with this like two inch perfectly perfect fit um, micro USB cable. And then it fits the Echo Dot and it all hangs like without any screws or anything like that just on the plug. Man, that. Huh. So smart. I saw some dude post about it on Twitter and I'm like, this, this is, this is fantastic. I guess the only thing that last part kind of weirds me out a little bit that it's, that the weight is, is being supported it's by the. It's so light. Yeah. It's so light. Cause you just, under, you, uh, you forget how light the Echo Dot is. Okay. Huh. The only thing I don't like about this is, well, and it's not the mount's fault at all. It's just that the speaker on the Echo Dot stinks. Well, Yeah. So we're to the point where, because I've been using it so much in the kitchen, I'm kind of like, do I want a full Echo in the kitchen? But no, I don't. But you can, can't you, it has Bluetooth, doesn't it? It does, but I'm, but then like, I'm going to have this Bluetooth speaker that times out every once in a while. Like, I'm just, it's not worth it. Yeah. But also going along with this recommendation, uh, I forget when they update the software, but the, the Echo supports multiple timers now that you can name, which actually makes it useful as a kitchen timer. So, oh man, Echo Dot is, is very versatile in the kitchen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah. so huge double recommend. Yeah, good. That's a, yeah, really good pick. Okay. Go ahead and jump in and do yours. Okay. Uh, so I think I think we, we've talked about this on the show a fair bit, but now that I've actually been using it for some period of time, I feel good about making it a formal pick of the week. And that mm-hmm. is Omni Outliner. Hey. I've... Um, much like many other recommendations you've made to me, have resisted it for a while and then <laughs> came around to actually doing it and then end up loving it. And yeah, Omni Outliner's done a couple of things. It's, well, it's made preparing for the show a little easier. Um, but I've also been trying to get into the habit of, you know, just, just jotting down kind of random thoughts, mm-hmm. which, you know, I've mentioned before, I don't really do a ton of and have given that a bit more of a concerted effort recently and have found it to be pretty helpful. And Omni Outliner proves to be a, a really good way to do that. Yeah, like a lot of times you think like a text file would do or something like that, or God forbid, Microsoft Word. But no, it, it's it's super functional and it's it's pretty good. You know, it's definitely not perfect. We've talked about how the whole Omni presence thing while technically i think that's just kind of what they have to do is not necessarily the best solution like i mean you can use dropbox but it's just it's not gonna it's not gonna be great right especially with ios right the the way that the um i don't even know what it's called because i've kind of tried to block it out of my my head but the kind of initial window that pops up when you open omni outliner on the mac the resource browser the resource browser it's kind of the worst it just does not at all work the way like it should um and why that doesn't just why that isn't just a window into your omnipresence folder i'll never understand um but those quirks aside um it's it's pretty good oh actually one more quirk that i don't love is (laughs) so i bought just the essential version for the mac Mm-hmm. But on iOS, there's only one version to buy. So if I create an Omni Outliner document on my phone and then go to open it on my Mac, I apparently the iOS version has features that only the Pro version on the Mac has. <laughs> 
So I have to convert oh. that file on the Mac to be able to edit it, which only takes, oh, you know, a second to do, but it's just kind of annoying. It's, it's Yeah. And I don't, I don't even know, like, I don't even think I'm using any of what they consider pro features. It's just that the document has them and I guess can't be edited at all unless it gets converted to, you know, the essentials format. Oh, that's a bummer. How much, how much is Omni Outliner these days? So Omni Outliner 5 Essentials for the Mac is just $9.99. So that, that was kind of like impulse buy territory. Mm-hmm. The Pro version, i look this up. I recall being a little pricier for the Mac. Yeah, $59.99. And then iOS also a little pricier. Yeah, $29.99. So for me, Mac, you know, Mac Essentials with iOS is like forty bucks all in. Okay, it's not bad. No, not not it's not, not bad. Not cheap, but not bad. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, it's 7. it's it's what's that? <laughs> like the iPhone Seven. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, no, it's really really good place just to kind of jot down some notes and, like I've joked about before. Man, I really wish I had this when we were in college. Because <laughs> this, like, if you were to open any of my Word documents from college, they, they basically just like <laughs> they just looked like Omni Outliner documents. So that would have would have made life really a lot easier back then. But oh well, yeah, probably with a bunch of viruses burrowed in. Right, right. Um, so my uh, second pick. Of the, actually, I'll, I'll do my like real brief second and third picks of the week. Um, the Sony Alpha Six Thousand camera. It's, I've had it for three years and it is like dollar for dollar, like the best investment and most functional thing that I've had that I, okay. that I, that so, I've used. So, so hold on here. So that I've, oh, I've been going through a phase again where I want a standalone camera. So what, what is the, what's the exact camera you have now? Oh man, you're, you're at like the midlife, <laughs> like you're, you're, you're 30. You got to do this. I know. You have to become like an artsy camera, uh, camera type. So I have the, and you actually might want to do this. I have the Sony Alpha 6000, which I bought in 2014. And here's the thing, like it's, I have no regrets about it. And I've had it for three years and I've never felt that it's out of date or any of that kind of stuff. And the thing is, it's also incredibly cheap now. Like when I bought it, it was like a thousand bucks, but now it's only like 600. And this is the Sony A6000? Yes. I found Amazon, so you can do five forty eight for just the body, and then they do six forty eight with the body and a sixteen to fifty millimeter lens. Yeah, don't get that lens. That's the worst lens in the world. Um, but then they do. They've got another one that's well, that's not available. Yeah, I, I would just do the base body and then buy a couple of other lenses which you can probably buy used. Um, and it's it's just a really good camera. It's not big. Um, it's super fast, fantastic focusing, um, uses standard SD cards, not that hard to learn how to use. Um, very, very good picture quality. Um, like, I'm not that good of a photographer, but, like, it's it's pretty, pretty, pretty good. And it's much smaller than, like, your... Because you used to have... Um, a Sony or a, what do you call it? A Canon Rebel, right? Yeah, which you know it was both a pro and a con. Where, I, so I, I got to use the, your camera a little bit when we went to the um, 
upgrade meetup. And it just, oh, yeah. it just isn't, it's not satisfying to hold and use in the same way that a DSLR is. But it, but it is small, which makes you know it a lot more portable, which is kind of the downside to a... So that's the thing where a lot of times, sometimes like I'm like, I do kind of wish I had like a full traditional camera, but like this one, the thing is it still fits. Like I can still toss it in my laptop bag, which is something that would never be possible with, um, with a, a full traditional DSLR. Right. I don't know. I'm kind of into it and I've been getting more, I've been tr- uh, trying to get more or back into photography and it's, I still, even though I kind of yearn to have a nicer camera, or maybe I might upgrade inside the Sony line eventually, but I am I'm shocked at how well this has held up for three years. Yeah, I'm looking at so the wire cutter they have the um, the A5100 as their uh, recommendation for best entry level mirrorless camera. So how much is that? Eh, I would I would. Get the six thousand. That's well, not that much I, cheaper. I just I bring that up just to say that clearly you're on the right track with um I think brand and everything. Yeah, um, they're, they're Sony's menu system is super weird, but it's it's a it's a great camera. Yeah. It's kind of funny when you look at the wire cutters best camera guide. Mm-hmm. They've they've got best drone camera, best three sixty degree camera, best action camera. And then a variety of best mirrorless cameras for various skill levels. Mm-hmm. And you kind of have to go all the way down and like unfold the um, or unhide the a DSLR section to even get to any of their DSLR recommendations. Oh, they're recommending Nikon cameras? Boo earns. Yeah. Nikon. Uh, Nikon. Mm hmm. Yeah, the 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 thing that I've been kind of keeping an eye on, which um, I can kind of I can link link to you here, is so they recommended the D thirty four hundred, but mostly because Canon hadn't updated their SL one, which is kind of one of their smaller entry level DSLR cameras in a while. But then that just changed in July, where Canon came out with the SL two, and they they haven't gone back and updated this review since then but they kind of hint at the top that the SL2 assuming it kind of does what it's advertised to do might come in and and take this spot got it the only knock i have against in case you are thinking of getting into a camera that i would say go against getting the canon is they've gone big into touch screens and their touch screens are very bad mm and it 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 eliminates like fiddling with settings is just so hard on their like quote unquote prosumer cameras. Yeah, so this you have to does go have like, a this does have a touchscreen. And they've just eliminated so many buttons that means you have to do everything on the touchscreen, which is really not good. Yeah, it's a big thumbs down to that. Hmm. So I think that's it. 